0: Welcome to Sundays at Coastal. This week we begin our journey through the book of Acts and the gift of the Holy Spirit. We often place ourselves in our own bondage. We believe that we can will ourselves into a better place. In our attempt to do this, we refuse to yield to God. Do you want to be released from the chains of bondage? Wait, wait on the Lord, wait on the Holy Spirit, and wait on the gift you've been promised.
1: If you're, if you're new uh, or visiting with us this morning, uh, or your wife dragged you here by your earlope, uh for Father's Day, or you dragged your family here as a dad, uh, I want to introduce you to what we believe is a church. And we see this in the story of Scripture, uh, all throughout Scripture. Uh, we see this in Isaiah chapter 61, that first of all, there's always hope beyond our brokenness. God sets the captives free. He gives sight to the blind. He gives hope for the weary. That's what God does. So no matter where you are in your journey of faith or your life, you are welcome here. Second, we're called to trust in our risen Savior. And trust is not a performative word. Trust is a vulnerable word. It's a relationship word. It's where we give our whole lives before God and we say, and our hearts before God, and we say, God, I trust you with this. And the great thing is, is that we don't do that alone. We do that in a community of faith. Um, Third, we get to bring restoration. So Christian got to bring restoration to Amanda's life this week. And we get to do that in all sorts of ways, whether it's helping um, our sister, uh, Latina Church Divino Salvador, minister to families in Guadalupe, or if it's helping uh, junior hires and high schoolers come to know Jesus, or it's ministering to junior hires and high schoolers who are never going to step foot in the door through Young Life, or our love for captive arts and support for these amazing women in their journey of resurrection, we bring restoration right where we are. And so we join God in that work because He's alive and He's active, and we just simply get to go where He's already working. Amen? Amen? So each one of these truths that there is hope beyond our brokenness, that we get to trust in our risen Savior... And bring restoration to our community has a choice attached to each one of them because God wants our free will to be involved. It's necessary. And so we uh, declare this truth every single week as a reaffirmation of our choice to follow Jesus because that's what a disciple is. So will you say this with me? Will you declare this with me loudly? Put some some sauce on it. Put some pepper on it, okay? (laughs) If you're at home, say it out loud. Here we go. We are disciples who walk intentionally with God. Therefore, I choose to be changed by Jesus. I choose to seek Jesus first. And I choose to join Jesus in his resurrection work. Amen? Amen. You guys, happy Father's Day. For you online, happy Father's Day. I know for me as a father, I always feel like Father's Day is like... And I I don't necessarily want it to be about me. I'm almost tempted to buy gifts for all my kids because it's like I, I love being a dad. I love being a dad. And so happy Father's Day to all of you online and here. And if today's a painful day, I know what that is like about having a dad that wasn't there, that wasn't great. I want you to know that your heavenly father absolutely adores you. And that part of growing in your faith is learning to be parented by our good, good Father, and you are not alone in, uh, in that journey, and so we're here with you and for you in it. Can I, can I pray for protection for us real quick, and that our spirits would be awake? Today we're going to be talking about Acts chapter 1. We're in the book of Acts, and of course, I'm, I, I won't start there. I'm going to show you how us leaving off in Isaiah during that time period Then relates exactly to Acts chapter 1. So I'm building a bridge today between these two books because they are connected deeply and profoundly. Um, But can I pray for us real quick? And for those online, I pray for you as well. Lord Jesus, we ask your protection right here in this space where we're at. We bind up anything opposed to Christ that's in our living room, our bedroom, in this sanctuary, in our car as we're listening now. In the name of Jesus, we command... Everything opposed to Christ to leave this place now and go to Jesus to be judged. Father, we ask your protection. We Take away any doubt or confusion. Open our ears. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to fall in this place. Come, Lord Jesus. Fill us. Awaken us. Revive us. Help us to hear truly from you. And then to obey and follow what you would have us to do. We love you, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. So one of the things about the Old Testament that is, um, I don't know if you know this or not, but God reveals himself slowly to the people of Israel. And that's just like any relationship that we have, right? Like you get to know people over time. You're not the audience. We're having a conversation. Yes? Right? If any of you have been married for longer than a week, you know that that person is different than they were last week. Yes? Your friends, your family, we all change. And and as you get to know people, you get to know them more. And uh, so sometimes we trust them more because we see how trustworthy that person is. Sometimes the more we get to know a person, we think, I need to trust this person less because I'm seeing who they are, they're giving me an education on who they are, that's important. So God reveals himself slowly over time to the people of God, and, and that's all throughout the Old Testament, and we see God's uh, character being shown to his people, and he's, he's even given different names, like the God who provides, Jehovah Jireh, the, the God who reigns in his Lord, Adonai, the God who's with me, El Shaddai, as, because God's character is growing. In the Exodus, we see that God reveals himself as Yahweh, the God who saves. And in the same way, in the book of Acts, God, is going, God the Holy Spirit is gonna reveal who he is and, and show us that first, the, the Holy, God the Holy Spirit is gonna do things in us that we never expected before. Make us alive. Revive us. That's the first thing the Holy Spirit does. And in the books of Acts, over the summer, we're going to see how God the Holy Spirit reveals more and more and more of how this Holy Spirit works in our life. So that's what this summer is about, how the Holy Spirit works, what is the Holy Spirit doing in your life, and, and how we can have more of the Holy Spirit, more healing, more gifts, more understanding. More knowledge about who Jesus is, more resurrection in our own hearts. So that's where that's where we're going this summer in the Book of Acts. You picking up what I'm putting down? Someone give me a snap. Mm, mm, mm. All right, good. I was at a, a memorial this last week, um, and uh, for a teacher that passed away in the Central Valley. I knew him, and he was a young man, 43 years old, uh, and. Um, one of the speakers there, um, he said, do you remember back in 1999 when, uh, when your phone rang? you remember what you did? You answered it because you, you had no idea who was calling, right? And there wasn't like a little screen that said, and then you could just say later, right? Or like, Or like... Text a message like I've, you know, I'm busy now, I can't talk right now. It was just the phone rang and you did this crazy thing where you went, hello? It was nuts, right? I mean, just insane, crazy. And then as a teenager, you memorized all of the phone numbers of your friends. You know what I'm talking about? Remember that? Right? Right? 527 1619. I knew her number for a long time. Okay? <laughs> Know what I'm talking about, right? Do you know anybody's phone number anymore, right? Barely, right? I remember I've talked to so many of you, you're like, what's your phone number? You're like, I don't know. Let me just text you, and then you'll have it. We don't even know our own phone numbers. I, I was listening to, uh, or I was, I was reading an a, a online magazine uh, called The National Review, and one of the authors there, Jack Butler, has noticed something different about what's happening in Silicon Valley. And he calls it uh, the millennial tax. Um, And what's happening is that these billion-dollar companies, uh, which uh, millennials, that's anybody under the age of from 35 to about 22, that generation, they live by these billion-dollar companies on their apps. And so do we. We like that, right? Um, uh, But for people, millennials living in big cities, they get up and... They, um, they pre-order their Starbucks on their app and then they get their Uber and they take it to the Starbucks and they pick it up and that's after they've slept on their Casper mattress, which they've ordered online. And then they Instacart their lunch into their office and then um, they come home to their Blue Apron pre-cooked meal after they've Ubered back to where they are and then they're watching Netflix online, right? And they've just interacted with nine, billion, nine different billion-dollar companies which venture capitalists have poured money into. And the economic model of all of these companies is really great. Um, All of them are gonna lose a billion dollars or more before they make one single dollar in profit. And the idea is, is that they would get 20, 30, 40 million of us to use their products and then the profits would roll in. Well, guess what's happened? It hasn't worked. And so Silicon Valley has lost a ton of money And so venture capitalists are pulling back their investments, and what's interesting is that all of the prices of these services are going up, and millennials are like, ah, it's the millennial tax. And what's happening is that our culture is actually going to, what this author, Jack Butler, said is our culture is actually going to start changing because the instant bespoke Everything right now at your fingertips culture is not financially sustainable. And our millennial generation is going to learn how to wait. And if you're older, if you're older than like 55, you remember what it was like planning a vacation, right? You had to like call somebody. Right, You remember calling the airline, right? Three hours on the phone, and then you hoped that the paper tickets they would mail you would arrive, and the mail, by the way, is like this person in a white little car comes and they put it in the things in the mailbox. You don't throw them away. You actually open them and read them. Um, And so does anybody remember going to a KOA campground and what you would have to do Right, You would call, call them or <gasps> write them and then mail this paper thing called a check. And then, um, and then you'd hope that, uh, that there was space. Or do you remember anybody travel right before 2002? There were no reviews on anything. You hoped that the hotel in the city that you were going to was available, but you didn't know. Right? So, Paul is getting ready to go, Paul and Kathy are in Iceland right now, and Paul's getting ready to go to Iceland, and he comes in a staff meeting, and he says to me, you guys, have you ever heard of Google Earth? (laughs) Now, I agree with Joe 100%. Paul's never going to listen to this sermon, but Paul does so much behind the scenes. I love that man with all my heart, and also he makes me giggle all the time. Uh, because everybody under the age of 40 in this room has been using Google Earth every day for 15 years. If you don't know what Google Earth is, um, just Google it and uh, <laughs> you'll, you'll find out what it is. Uh, and so Paul, Paul Paul, went on his Iceland vacation before he went to Iceland. And he went along all of the roads and maps with all of the 360-degree you know, pictures and videos of the roads and the trails that he and Kathy were going to hike, and he's like, oh, my gosh, Iceland's incredible. I cannot wait to go there, and he says to Kathy, Kathy, you got to come see Iceland. She says, no. She wanted to wait. She wanted to wait. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, when we talk what it looks like to be transformed by the Holy Spirit... We, as a culture, are terrible at waiting. We look at the microwave and go, hurry up. (laughs) Right? That's not how God works. And I'm going to talk today about what change looks like and what waiting looks like. But men, we are the worst at this. Happy Father's Day, right? We don't want to wait for things, right? And so today, I want to call forth in you a spirit that would wait upon God and pray in the waiting for the sake of your family. We have a hard time waiting for what we want. We have an even harder time waiting for what we want in other people. Right? Ladies, you know what I mean. <laughs> right? We want our children to be better, right? So we employ the helicopter model. Hey, 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 hey. Right? We want our spouses to change. Come on, let's go. Listen, 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 hey, hey. We want people around us to change instantly. Sometimes we even unfairly demanded of them. I love what Thomas Akempis wrote in the 1100s, be not angry that you cannot make others as you wish them to be, read this with me out loud, since you cannot make yourself as you wish to be. Woo. Oh, snap. That's wisdom. You and I are not entitled to instant gratification when it comes to the process of change. And we know this. We know this. I can't change my body in an instant, right? Just because I work out once doesn't mean I'm a sculpted Adonis, yes, right? I've been working on my six-pack for a long time. It's still a keg. Right? (laughs) Why? Because I do sit-ups once, and I think, ah, and then a month goes by, right? I'm at the age now where I have to take pills, and I have ear hair, right? (laughs) Pills that I order from, like, online, supplements, right? And what do I think myself when I open this bottle of pills? I'll be better after this pill. Does it work? No, because one bottle of pills isn't going to change you. Right? It takes time. And you, you, you so many of you were like, oh, Andy, you don't even know. Just wait for the nose hair. Right? <laughs> just wait for the eyebrow hair that just sticks out like a foot right, right there. Right? We know that it takes time to change our, our thinking, our mind. All of us went through school. We understand that it took us... 15, 18 years to, to change our thinking. Even when we try and learn something new now, so many of you pick up hobbies to learn something new. It takes, it's hard to do that, right? It, does not, it's, it doesn't change overnight. When we go to counseling and we talk to our counselors and so much, much of us, so many of us think, oh, I went to counseling once, I'm all better. It don't work that way. It takes time to change. It takes time to change. The neural pathways in your brain literally are ruts in your brain, and it takes a while to establish a new neural pathway so that you will change your thinking. Somebody say amen. Amen. But what about your spirit? You know, because our actions and our thinking, our behavior and our thinking come from our spirit. We sometimes think, oh, that just take I could just change that instantly, but we know different. How many of you have ever done a diet, yeah. right? You think in your spirit, oh, I can't wait to do this diet, right? And you think, okay, I'm going to do the diet. And then all of a sudden, right, it's day four, and you haven't had any chocolate. And you think to yourself, just one piece, right? It's just an almond roca. It's not going to hurt anybody. And then you're done with your diet the next day. What's going on there? Your spirit is saying, and your gut is saying, I want an almond roca now. (laughs) We've all started to change our thinking, and then we revert back to an old way of thinking and an old way of believing. What's going on there? What's going on is that we're trying to change from the outside in, and lasting change happens from the inside out. You can't make yourself more generous or less bitter all alone. You can't make yourself more patient or less entitled with sheer effort. There is literally no possible way for you to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's not possible. You can't lift yourself off the ground with your own effort. What am I going to tell you next? You know this. Read this with me. Put some pizzazz on it. You need the author of your spirit, the creator of your heart, the builder of your soul to do this work with you and in you. Notice it's with you and in you. It's not just a passive process. Change, and when the Holy Spirit works in your life, is an active process that you are engaged in and that God the Holy Spirit is engaged in. Your free will and choices matter. Now, I just said something profoundly important, and so did you, but yet we're tempted immediately to skip over it because the rut in our brain says this, I want them to change. I want me to change. And so what I need is to put pressure on myself or them, and then they'll change faster. That's our habits. We think, well, maybe I just need a drill sergeant or I'll become a drill sergeant. How's that work? Or, or maybe, maybe what I'll do is that I just need some wild spiritual experience, and if I just saw that miracle, or if I just had that encounter with God, then all of a sudden my life would be incredibly different. And the Israelites thought the same thing. They just had this incredible experience with God. They were captive in uh, slavery for 400 years in Egypt, and then God shows up, 10 plagues, incredible, right? And then God shows up by a pillar of fire. Would that be enough evidence to change your life? Would that give you faith? If when you prayed, a giant, massive, 400-foot-tall tornado pillar of fire just showed up. Would it make a difference in your life? No, it wouldn't. By day, it's a pillar of cloud. It's literally a tornado that is touched down. At night, it's a pillar of fire. And what happens? They follow this thing, and then God, and the Red Sea parts, and they walk through, and they get on the other side, and immediately they start start complaining. Where's God? I miss the leeks and the onions back at home. I don't have any meat to eat. Right? Right? Forty days, they complain and complain and complain. We've, God's not with us. God doesn't care. Until they arrive on Mount Sinai. Now, Mount Sinai is about the same size as Madonna Mountain in San Luis Obispo, right? Anybody ever driven on the 101 North during Christmas time and you can see the floating Christmas tree, right? That's on top of Madonna, Madonna Mountain, and if it, and that's what kind of Mount Sinai looks like. It's a, just a little bit bigger. Right? And so do you remember what happens on Mount Sinai? God, for the first time in all of human history, the only time in all of human history, reveals himself to all of his people at once. It's a remarkable moment. There is literally trumpet, earth-shaking trumpet sounds blowing. The whole top of Mount Sinai is this whirling vortex of clouds and lightning and fire, okay? And God says, don't touch the mountain, otherwise y'all gonna die. And Moses is like going up the mountain, they're like, bye-bye, he gonna die for sure, right? And Moses is gonna spend like a long time up on Mount Sinai, right? And he's, he's, God's downloading the law into Moses' heart. Now, this happens when the law is given, the Ten Commandments are given, on Mount Sinai, this happens 50 days, literally 50 days after the exodus. The word 50 in Greek is pente, P-E-N-T-E, pente. The word five in Greek is penta, like pentagon, five-sided thing. So pente is 50. So Pentecost is what happens 50 days after the exodus, after the Passover, does that make sense? So, God is going to give them this spectacular evidence. Read with me, Exodus 19, verse 16. I love this. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning, a thick cloud over the mountain, and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. The Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Next slide. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended it in fire. Really? Can you imagine going to Madonna Mountain and this happening? Okay, everybody, field trip, Madonna Mountain, and God literally sends Would that give you enough evidence to change? Would that be enough for you? The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace and the whole mountain. Trumpets blaring, clouds, vortex, fire, woo! That's a heck of a concert. You know what I'm saying? Would that be enough evidence for you to change? Yes. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> and the Israelites, they fall down. They say, Moses, we'll do anything. We'll promise anything. We'll, we'll follow God all the rest of our days. And Moses is like, all right, wait for me until I come back down. Do you know what happens when Moses comes back down to the mountain? Everybody's partying at Badana Inn. They're like, let's worship that golden calf some more. Give me another steak. Mm. Right? That's what's happening. It's crazy. Outside in change will not transform your heart, even if it's a glimpse of God descending on a mountain in fire and smoke and glory in front of you. Isaac Newton writes in his first law of motion, A Fundamental Truth Everything continues in a state of rest unless it is compelled to change by forces impressed upon it. And so when we read this, we think, well, I am going to impress force upon the people of my life. And so behavioral economists and psychologists and medical doctors, and even marine drill sergeants, all logic conclude that people will change if I make them change through persuasion or yelling or motivation. Make sense? But we're forgetting how we're made. We're little trinities. We have a body like Jesus. We have a mind like our Heavenly Father. And we have a spirit like our, like our Holy Spirit. And the only one who can change our spirit is the one who made our spirit. And that's the Holy Spirit. Your life will change when you engage your spirit and your body and your mind all together. You picking up what I'm putting down? But we find ourselves in an odd place in a culture. And so we talk to doctors who don't believe that there is a spirit. And we talk to psychologists who pretend like the spirit doesn't exist. It doesn't matter what Oprah says. As a culture, we still don't believe that a spirit exists, right? Why? Because we're trying to motivate our spirit from the outside in, you know, we'll listen to a motivational speech with some music behind it on YouTube, you know, or we'll play at Tony Robbins VHS, if you're in that generation, right? And that might give us a brief boost, but then what happens? We go right back to our old habits again. Because our spirits won't change unless God the Holy Spirit is involved, and even as Christians we do weird things with God the Holy Spirit. We try and force the Holy Spirit to change us with one prayer. I've talked to so many of you It'd be like, "Hey, come to the prayer retreat." And you're like, "Nah, I prayed once. It didn't work." That's not how it works. It takes time. It takes time. We forget that our spirit changes in the same way that our body and our mind does. It takes consistency, it takes time, it takes our will to choose it over and over. And unfortunately as Christians what we think is if I pray this one magical prayer now, I'll be changed forever. It's it's the wrong tool. It's like trying to paint with a hammer. Oh, come on, that was funnier on paper than it was here. All right, fine, 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 fine. Augie, can you open up that side door so we can get a cross breeze in here? What's the solution? God tells Israel the solution and us the solution. Here it is, ready? The Holy Spirit is gonna change us from the inside out. And this means, read this with me. This means you must offer your whole heart, broken parts and all, to be changed by God according to His timing and His way. Not the answer you wanted, huh? But God, I just want to give you part of my heart and insist on my timing and my way. It's not how it works. The Holy Spirit will change you from the inside out when you give your whole heart to Him, broken parts and all, okay, to be changed according to His timing and His way. So fast forward 750 years after Mount Sinai, Israel's had a lot of experience under its belt, some good, a whole lot bad, right? And the people forget that when they follow God, it's wonderful, and when they don't follow God, it's a disaster, and we have the same thing in our lives. We forget that when we partially yield to God, we're not yielding. We forget that when we walk away from God, it's disaster. We forget to wait with God as the Holy Spirit does, his work. So we take our hearts back, and it's slavery all over again. It got awfully quiet in here. This is, we we all can relate with this, yes? When Israel finds itself physically enslaved once again by the Babylonians, that's the Iraqis, That's the people from Vegas, okay? If Israel is the central coast, Babylon is is roughly the same distance as Vegas, okay? So God gives them a brand new uh, promise, and Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah are all writing at the same time in history. And so God gives Israel this promise. Verse 26, will you read this with me? I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws." Yeah, but God, I'm stuck in Vegas. It's 120 degrees here all the time. I don't have AC. I need that problem fixed. Yeah, but God, I'm stuck in my life. My relationship is broken. I don't know what to do. Yeah, God, but I'm stuck. I don't have the job that I want. Yeah, God, my body's falling apart and betraying me. Yeah, God, but, but she won't change. Yeah, God, but he's not what he said he was gonna be. Yeah, but God, but I don't, I don't know what I'm gonna do with my kids or my grandkids. God, I don't know how I'm gonna make it financially to the next week or the next month. That's what all of Israel was dealing with. That's what you're dealing with right now. And what is God's promise? I'm gonna change your heart. That's God's promise. At the exact same time, another prophet, Jeremiah, God speaks to him, and Jeremiah says pretty much the exact same thing with a little bit of a twist to it. Jeremiah 31, verse 33. Read this with me. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. That's interesting, because Jews, to this day, they have what's called a a phylactery. In Orthodox Hasidic Jews, they actually have a little tiny mini Bible that's in this leather little box, and then they wrap it around their head because they're trying to get the law. That's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They're trying to get the law into their head. You ever done that before? Sure you have. I'm going to beat myself into submission. I'm going to try to change myself by forcing this thing in me. We do this with our kids. We do this with... I mean, even some Christian churches, they're called Bible thumpers, right? And they they literally want... They think, well, if I memorize all this stuff and... And do all this stuff, and I'm super religious, and praise the Lord, everything's fine in my life. I'm living in victory all the time. If they say that right, then they don't have to be honest about their brokenness, and they can just pretend that everything's fine in their life. It's not how it works. What's God's idea? Verse 34, "'No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest,' declares the Lord. "'For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more.'" What's God the Holy Spirit going to do? It's not going to be written on the outside. It's going to be written on God the Holy Spirit. If you want God the Holy Spirit in your life, that means that your desires are going to start changing. Your loves are going to start changing. And that means that there's going to be a competition in you of your old desires and God's desires. Which one are you going to feed? And that's a choice that we have to make. That's the choice that you have to make. You actually have to choose the life that the Holy Spirit is giving in you. Somebody say amen. amen. Oh, that choosing, that's called yielding. That's called surrender. That's called trust. That's called faith. Okay, now we're finally to Acts chapter one. Are you ready? Are you ready? Here we go. Only two more hours to this sermon, right? (laughs) Jesus tells the disciples right before he ascends to heaven, Acts chapter one, verse four. Read with me: "Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised. Water, but in a few days you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit." Say "What? what? 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 Jesus? Now this is after the disciples had already fled Jerusalem. Remember in John chapter 20 when Jesus arrives on the Sea of Galilee and Peter and all of his friends are back to work? You know why they're back to work, right? Judas stole all the money, which he did. And then also, it's hard to donate to a nonprofit when the founder has just been publicly executed. Donors think twice. They're like, I think I'm going to give somewhere else this year. Um, So that's what happened. So they didn't have no money, right? And so they're like, we got to go work. And so they go back to Galilee to catch fish and Jesus, after having fish tacos with them on the beach and he restores Peter, he says, love my sheep and take care of my sheep and love my people. He then sends them back to Jerusalem, to the big city. Why did they flee Jerusalem? Anybody? Because they're being pursued by the Roman authorities. They're Jesus's disciples. So just pay attention here just for a moment. What is God asking His disciples to do. Go back to the place of danger. And what? Wait, go back one slide. Go back to the place of danger and... Oh, dang it. (laughs) Don't apply that to my life, Andy, please, no. (laughs) Go back to the place of discomfort and what? Go back to the place... Where you don't want to go right now because you'd rather avoid it and numb out somewhere else and just go back to your old habits. Don't go there. But God says, no, go back there and do what? Wait. What did the disciples do during the waiting? Verse 12. Read this to me. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem. By the way, apostles is men and women. Return to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city, and what they do? Aha Aha Everybody, all the women, Mary the mother of Jesus, with his brothers, what are they all doing? They're praying. They're, praying. they're not just praying by themselves, they're praying together. This is why we want you to join a small group. God designs you to be in community and fellowship together. Does that make sense? When you start praying with other people, your whole life is going to change. This is why we have table talk after the service. This is why we have the prayer retreat. This is why we ask you to come and to join with us. Come do this together, because it's together that your faith is ignited. This is God's plan for your marriage. Men, you are called to pray for your family, not just by yourselves, but with them, together. Lead in your family spiritually. Pray with your children. Pray with your spouse. Pray for your family together. And not just, Lord, bless this food or our body, help us not get gas. I'm talking about pray for your family together. That is your calling. That is your inheritance. That is your purpose as a father. When you pray out loud, you are engaging your body because your lips are moving. You are engaging your mind because you're forming words. And you're engaging your... Spirit, and now all of a sudden, when you do that together, guess what happens? The Holy Spirit comes in power, and you begin to change. That's how it works. If you pray and worship with your family, with your spouse, you will be united and changed for the better. And this is exactly what happens with the disciples. They're praying together. They're worshiping together. The men and women, they're all there together. They're praying and they're waiting, and they're praying and they're waiting, and they're praying and they're waiting in the middle of the threats, in the middle of the discomfort, in the middle of how long we got to do this? Wait, wait, what? How long we got to wait for? How long? They waited almost 40 days. They waited and waited and waited and prayed and waited, and they didn't give up. They didn't say, you know what? I just get an app to do this, whatever. Like, this isn't working anymore. They didn't give up. They didn't say, you know what? I'm I'm tired, right? You know, Thomas won't stop doubting, and Peter's bossy, and right? And then the new disciple, Matthias, he's so annoying. He's just like, whoa, he doesn't know what to do, and... We don't have any money and, you know, it's like in Jerusalem and I'm not at home. I've been traveling for three years. I don't want to wait anymore. James and John, they still want to be in charge. (laughs) Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were in one place and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Let me just say this, let Jesus in your waiting and praying, turn that longing and that prayer and that hope and in that pain in your favor. Let Jesus, in the waiting and in the prayer, turn it to your favor. Watch him work for your good. He's not done with what he started. He's not done until it's good. Notice the wind, the Hebrew word for spirit is ruach. The Hebrew word for, um, means wind or breath. The Greek word, Greek word for spirit is pneuma. It also means wind or breath. The very breath that you have is the same word for the spirit of God. I learned as a hospital chaplain that, that what, when you die, you don't die because your heart stops. You die because your lungs stop. I didn't know that. Right? When the breathing stops, that's when you die. When the wind, the spirit stops, that's when you die. I'll never forget, I went to Harry's room. He was 98 years old. He had three heart attacks in the middle of the night. I was called up as a hospital chaplain to his room. And Harry was breathing slow and slower. And this daughter, who was like 65, looks at me and says, is he going to die? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm 28 years old. Been <laughs> i hospital chaplain for like six hours. I have no idea if Harry's going to die or not. <gasps> and, then, and then the little whine goes, dee, and I, I swear I was in a movie. I was like watching an episode of ER. ER was a show in the 90s. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, so the line goes, "D?" And the, do- the daughter looks at me and she goes, "She says, "Is Harry, is Harry dead?" And I'm like, "Yeah, he's passed.") <laughs> and she jumps and says, "Oh, snap!" But it was a four-letter word beginning with "S, and she yells, and I yell the same word in) <laughs> As the hospital chaplain, I mean, we were—we jumped both a foot, and the doctors come rushing in like, what's happening? And we both are like, he breathed again, <laughs> right? Because it had been like a full minute, right? And that was his last <gasps> breath. The wind was out of his lungs, and Harry went to be with Jesus. The Holy Spirit is our life, the breath within you. The very breath within you is God, the Holy Spirit, in you. Your life, your, your abundant life can only start and continue with the Holy Spirit. And what happens next is totally unexpected. These forgetful and thick-headed, literally junior high dropouts, they change the world the disciples who fled Jesus and denied him three times, the disciples who failed every single test given, the disciples who literally doubted when Jesus was ascending to heaven. He's in their midst. Thomas is putting his hand in his side and be like, eh, I don't know. Maybe this is an illusion. Those same disciples once they're filled with the Holy Spirit, once they're changed from the inside out, as they're being changed from the inside out, they heal the sick and give, blind to the, uh, give sight to the blind. And miracles come, and they preach to thousands of people that they never thought they would preach to. Why? Because they've yielded their whole heart to God and waited for Him in prayer. And that is your calling, That's first what happens with the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about words and knowledge and tongues and miracles and healing. We're going to talk about all that this summer, and none of it will make a difference if you do not yield your whole heart in prayer to Jesus. And don't stop the praying, and don't stop the waiting. It is your calling as a father. It is your calling as a mother. It is your calling as a son and daughter. And as a disciple, don't give up because Jesus has never, ever, ever given up on you. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. We invite you into our heart of hearts. We invite you in. We give you our whole heart. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Fill this place. Fill us. Holy Spirit, come. Meet our families. Meet our children who no longer trust you. Meet our grandchildren who are suspicious of you. Holy Spirit, come. Minister to our spouses. Holy Spirit, come. Minister to our own doubts. We give you our whole heart, all of it, the good, the ugly. The parts that we don't want to admit to yet, all of it, come have your way in this place. Holy Spirit, come. And I pray for a spirit of patience and a spirit of prayer upon me and my beloved friends at home online as well in this place. Holy Spirit, give us a hunger and a perseverance to pursue you, to yield to you. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You guys, we have incredible food for you, as always. It has no impact on your current diet plan. Would you please stand and receive the benediction? We want to invite you across the street. In about 15 minutes, table talk is going to happen. If you want to talk and pray about this sermon and how it interacts with your life, come across the street. We've got gourmet coffee for you. Now receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up. His countenance and as his delight in you and give you the peace that passes all understanding in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's beloved forgiven spirit-filled children said God bless you guys have a great day
0: pastor Andy Rock is the senior pastor of Coastal Community Church it's located in Grover Beach California and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 1040 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Ferrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website, www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.